This morning we have a very special treat for you. We have a very good friend of mine that's going to preach for me. Some of you may not know, but uh, last week my mother passed away. And so I was in Atlanta all week with my father. He is 90 years old. My mother has been in a nursing home for over two years. And for the last two weeks, it was a very difficult time. She was in extreme pain. And then the Lord graciously took her home. My father was a pastor. My mom pastored in Atlanta. And my brother's a pastor in Maine. And I'm, I'm trying to be the best pastor I could be, First Baptist of Rockville. So my mom knew the Lord as her Savior, and so we know that she is in heaven today. I want to thank all those that sent notes to me and Lynn and to our family, all the prayers, support for us. Uh, I was not here most of the week, and so I did not have time to prepare a sermon. So Dr. Ron Blankenship agreed to preach for me. He's a great friend. I'll talk about him in a minute. But I want to thank Pastor Aramal. He uh, volunteered to do communion for me today. And so um, I want to thank you. did a great job. Very proud of him. So uh, my staff have sort of had to pick up my, my workload this week. They did a great job. So uh, I want to thank you for your prayers. So Ron, I've known him forever. I think we got off the ark with Noah together. Uh, <laughs> I came to Poolsville Baptist Church in 1996, and shortly after that, Ron came to be our director of missions, and we have been friends ever since. And so it's a great joy for me to introduce not only our director of missions here at Montgomery County, but a friend of mine who I've known for many, many years. I know he loves the Lord. I've seen his heart for Jesus. And it gives me great pleasure to introduce you, Dr. Ron Blankenship. Would you please stand and welcome him like we welcome all of our missionaries, pastors. Thank you, Pastor Lee. We have been praying for you across the association. We have a prayer line where we put out prayer requests for our pastors and leaders. So we have been praying for you and your family. And it's so good to be back with you. It's uh, so many good things have happened in the last few years. I was, as you know, a transitional interim here for about 18 months and uh, come back. And just, of course, I've been here several times uh, with a variety of occasions. And the, the, bu the building is so beautiful. You've done so well with the remodeling. And then uh, did you notice there's a building going uh, up back here? You notice that? It's looking really good. And I know that was part of the praying for, for many, many years. And I'm so glad to see that happen, and I'm uh, so glad that Pastor Lee is my friend and, and the staff here, uh, Donald and Aramel. It's so good to see them when they come to their, our minister's fellowships that we have once a month. And uh, it, they're just all good friends. Uh, and I understand you called also one of my former students, uh, Carlos. He was one of my students at Ivory Christian College, and so glad he's here. But I have to say, I'm a little prejudiced. My favorite staff member is named Melanie. That's just my daughter, you know that, naturally. They're all, all these guys are great, and I really, and Melanie does come home regularly and say, it's so, it's, she just loves working here. Uh, at one time, she even told me, she said, there's some nights I'd just sleep there if I could. I just love working with the people there, and she comes home and tells me individual people that, and, and how kind you are to her, and I appreciate that. But let me say before I begin my sermon, too, uh, I've been a minister, uh, director of missions here 20 years, 
The Lord has blessed the ministry here in Montgomery Baptist Association. When I came here, we had uh, 42 churches. I was called. One of the mandates was to plant churches, and the other mandate was to help churches to be healthier. I think God has blessed both. Uh, we've gone from 42 churches. Now we have on the roll 96 churches. 96 churches. The Lord, I give him all the credit. And this, this has been, last year we brought in five new churches. And this year, already, uh, before uh, we will bring in churches in October, we are right now have eight churches we're working with. Eight churches of a variety of African, Ethiopian, Brazilian, Chinese, Japanese. And the Lord has just been so good in just so many ways. I'm just so glad the Lord is blessing. But I want to share here a special message from my heart today called uh, Dinner at Jesus Homesick Restaurant. There was a book a number of years ago by Ann Tyler. And it was called uh, Dinner at the Homesick Restaurant. And it was basically the theme was Pearl Tall was on her deathbed. She had three children. They were reminiscing over life, both the lonely times and the difficult times, but mostly the good times. And it seemed like most of the good times were centered around food. They must have been Baptists. <laughs> and they just uh, talked about all the good times. And, and one of the children, Ezra, even uh, inherited a restaurant called the Homesick Restaurant where you could get all the comfort foods, you could get all the foods that you are longing for, the needs. And, and I, I think about this every time I preach this sermon. I think of both my mom and grandmother. I miss them both. Uh, my mother passed away a couple of Christmases ago, so I still miss her. And um, I, I remember so many times going home and, and growing up to all, all the good foods that they would cook, and I still smell the aroma of it. I still taste that food from my mother and my grandmother. And I think about this, and I looked at this passage, and I think, you know, it's a, it's a great banquet in the sky, but you know, this passage is also for us. It's talking about the purposes of the church, and it's saying that uh, we don't have to wait to get to heaven to enjoy that great banquet, that the principles are right here. And, and I thought, the thought, came, the thought came to me one day, well, what if, what if Jesus started a restaurant? And I think, you know, even here in D.C., there have been a number of uh, well-known personalities like Michael Jordan, who started their own restaurant, and Toby Keith out in Oklahoma, and I could go on and on. I thought, what if Jesus started his own restaurant? What it would be like? And I'm thinking all the, all the things that we're homesick for, all the things that would really meet deep needs within our lives, that I could go to that restaurant and find the food, not just the physical food, but the spiritual food. And I started asking questions. I started asking questions that sort of centered around this, this passage here. And, and, and the first question I asked was, uh, what about the food? What kind of food would be in that restaurant? And it says, blessed is he, in verse 15, blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God, the sovereign rule of God. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven to have the sovereign rule of God. And, and it, 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 there's a, the food here is it's talking about growth. It's talking about the purpose in the church of growth or discipleship, sanctification, that we ought to always be growing in our Christian lives. And I'm thinking, you know, how, how God helps us to grow in so many ways and, and so many times just unexpected things happen in my life to sort of take me to that next level or, or things happen that just those, those serendipitous times where God just blesses my life and, and, and sanctifies my life in ways that I never could imagine. I remember one time I was, I was at the Southern Baptist Convention, and uh, 
I was rushing to get to some kind of meeting that the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, where I graduated from, was, uh, was having, and I rushed in. And usually they had peanuts and, you know, some juice and some things like that, some chips and things. But this time they had shrimp, they had, they had, crab, le- they had crab meat, they had all kinds of good food. And I, I thought, man, they must have spent a fortune for this. This is really neat. And I walked over, got me a good plate full because I hadn't eaten lunch, and I was hungry. And, and I was looking around, uh, you know how you are when you're rushing, I was looking around to see if I knew anybody. And there was a young man walked up to me, a three-piece suit, and he, I shook his hand, he, uh, he introduced himself, and then he looked at me and asked me, what life insurance company are you with? And I found that I was at a life insurance sim- uh, symposium. I had gone to the wrong room, it was the next door Southern Baptist Theological Seminary was. I'm, I'm sitting there, standing there feeling embarrassed. I thought, I've got to come up with something quick. He said, yeah, he asked me, he said, what, what life insurance company are you with? I said, eternal life insurance company. <laughs> and he looked kind of puzzled. He said, I've never heard of that. He said, where is that base? Where is its home base? I said, uh, heaven. <laughs> he said, I'll have to look into that sometime. And he kind of walked away. <laughs> Uh, well, I thought rather than waste the food, I would go ahead and eat it because they only had peanuts next door. But I thought about those kinds of experiences where God just blesses our lives, just in these serendipitous times. And, and, and during those times, we, we meet new people. We, meet, we have new experiences. God helps us to grow. What about the food in the kingdom of God? It's going to be like the fruit of the Spirit. You know, the love, joy, peace, and patience, and long-suffering, and goodness, and and temperance and, and kindness, all the good fruit of the Spirit, the Ten Commandments, that we can continue just soaking up the Bible, all through the Bible, the mandates of the Bible, the teachings of the Bible. And, and the nice thing about that kind of food, you never gain weight. You just Spiritually, you gain weight, but physically. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to just eat all the food you want and never gain weight? Well, here, you want to gain weight spiritually. You want to gain it because that's what it's all about. What about the food? It's going to be great. Then the second question, what about the price of the food? That's one thing we consider when we go to a restaurant. What about the price of it? You know, uh, I look at this. It says, uh, this food in, in Jesus' restaurant is free for all, free for everyone. The cost was that Christ died on the cross for our sins. This is grace. This is the purpose here for the church is evangelism. The purpose here is, is grace, the wideness of God's grace. That we ought to always be seeking to share the gospel wherever we go. It tells us in our text there in verses 12 through 14. The master said, when you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, it says when you give a feast. Invite the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the, of the just. One of the Beatitudes says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. There's something here that we have to realize that even though God freely gives us through unmerited favor, His grace. It cost Jesus his life. His, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, it cost him his broken body. It cost him every drop of his blood. It cost him the anguish 
and remorse of rejection. It cost him the grief that he had to go through. It cost him everything. Everything. And in life, we think, you know, there is no free lunch, we think. That, that, uh, that you give something to somebody, you expect something back so often. That's not the way Jesus is. He has unconditional giving. He, he gives his grace. And then out of that, we want to serve, which we'll talk about in a moment. But so often, we operate in our lives by a debit-credit mentality. I do this for you, then you just do this for me. What if we had an attitude of, well, I just give the bless, just bless people. With whatever God's blessed me with, I want to share those blessings wherever I go. And not have this kind of idea, well, I only do this for what I can get out of it. So often people do that in life, and that's not Jesus. Jesus comes to you and wants to freely give you whatever he can uh, that, that you would accept. He said, I am the bread of life, and he wants to give you that, that sustenance. I have a cousin that he's, of course, he's in his 50s now, but whenever he was nine years old, he lived in Columbus, Ohio, and he used to visit there in uh, southern West Virginia in a little community near Gilbert, West Virginia. And, and I lived on a outside, way outside the town. There was a little grocery store there called Francis Grocery. And we would run in from time to time and just pick up a loaf of bread or something and just, and just hold it up. And then Betty Francis would just put it on our tab. I remember one time we dropped by there. My, my dad said, run in and get us a loaf of bread. Gino went in with me. I grabbed a loaf of bread, walked out, held it up, never said a word. Go on to the car, sit down. And Gino just had big eyes. He said, I love this place. We have to pay for things where I live. He thought, wow, there is, but there is, no free, there is no free bread either there and that kind. But Jesus offered grace freely. There's a third question. What about the service? Well, there's sometimes we wouldn't go back to a restaurant if we didn't get good service. I won't say which restaurant it was, but I had the most horrible service about a year ago at a local restaurant. And then my office manager, Sherry, was telling me just a couple of weeks ago how terrible the service was there. But I'm thinking, ah, oh, here Jesus talks about service. You see that word servant throughout. And that's, that's the purpose of the church of ministry, seeking to serve. Jesus came to serve and not to be served, but to give his life a ransom for many. That every saint needs to be always seeking to serve, not always thinking and complaining if they're not being served. You see, if everybody served, imagine the, the complaining level that would go down in churches and society. If everybody would quit thinking, I'm supposed to, uh, the world owes me something, and just say, I have been blessed so much by God, I just want to share. And then you watch blessings come your way that you never even thought. In Mark chapter 10, verses 42 and 45, talk to the James and John. They had been walking along, uh, talking about which one would be the greatest. And Jesus pulled them aside with the other disciples and said, you know, the authorities, they lord this authority over people. But he said, not so among you. Whoever would be first would be, uh, would be the servant. Of course, one of the disciples said, whenever Jesus uh, looked at them and whenever they said, oh, we, we want to be the servant. Well, are you willing to be baptized with the baptism which I will be baptized with? Are you willing to suffer like I will suffer? Oh, they quickly said, oh, yes, oh, yes, I would be willing to do that. They said, if you follow me, indeed you will suffer. But also, he reminded them in this service, there was something about humbling ourselves before God 
and finding a deep joy in ministry that you would never find in any other way. He says, uh, Jesus said in, in John 13, verses 14 through 15, he said, I then, if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. So uh, when he called them together, he was using a sense of, 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 of humility. And they never, they never wanted him to wash their feet. That was the, the task of a slave. But Jesus says, no, no. It's a task of a servant to serve one another. And, of course, Peter said, well, then wash me all over. He was always the impulsive one, always went the extra emphatic mile. You know, what about the service? We ought to always be seeking to serve. I know one of my good friends, a pastor, Danny Moore, out at Barnesville Baptist Church, uh, through the association of about seven churches, I've, I've connected them with food ministries in their communities, at least seven, there, there may be more. But I remember one time when he started that ministry, it just started growing and taking off. The church started growing there, and there were people coming to church that never came before. First of all, yes, for food, physically, but then they found the spiritual food. And he said one time that his ministry, their ministry grew so much that they needed to buy a truck to be able to haul it back and forth. And he said one time he went to a local dealership, uh, somewhere in the area, and he was at, at, talking about this, and the manager heard him and came over and talked with him, and, and, and the manager was so impressed with what they were doing. Now, get this. This man was not even a Christian, but he said, you're serving the community like that. He said, come here, and he took him over, and he showed him a very nice used truck, and he said, it's yours. Take it. Use it for ministry. He started coming to church, Danny said. And, and a few weeks later, he was saved, and he baptized him. And I'm thinking, you know, what about if we all would just seek to serve? How many people could be one to Christ? There's a fourth question. What about the atmosphere of that restaurant? The atmosphere. That's worship. That's the purpose of worship in your life. When you come here, there's a, a sense of worship, a sense of the atmosphere of joy and peace and goodness, a, a, a talk. I love coming First Baptist Church whenever we gather. I try to get here as early as I can because as the people come in, you're joyfully shaking hands and you're, you're greeting each other and smiling. And it's so, you're so glad to see each other. You share stories and it's warm and hospitable. It's peaceful. And, and Jesus, Jesus, he would go to events where he cheered up people. He went in John chapter 2 to a wedding. When the wine ran out, he said, go bring the containers. Let's fill it back up. He, there was a three days there. There was a joyful wedding. He, the prodigal son, whenever he came home, the father said, go kill the fatted calf. Put a ring on his finger. Put shoes on his feet. Put a robe on his back. My son that was dead is now alive. Let's rejoice. Let's, let, let's have a deep joy beyond earthly happiness to a sense of, of a deep a joy that we can just not explain. I remember how many times we used to go to my family reunions in uh, Gallia County, Ohio. My grandfather every year, a great-grandfather that was, Leonard Smith, we would have a birthday party for him all the way up until he was 93 years old. And I remember from a little kid growing up to the point I became a preacher where they would ask me to, to pray at the end of every meal. And I would go there, and, and we would, uh, I'd love to walk through the apple tree orchards and, and eat apples or go see the sparrows, their nests built in the barns. But most of all, that big spread of food, we would get together, and, and, and I saw relatives that I had not seen for years. You see, the great banquet in the sky, that's what it's going to be like. But we can do that now. 
We can have the joy of that now, uh, the, the atmosphere of, of worship. One time I was leading the Lord's Supper at Haywood Hills Baptist Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where I was a pastor. And I, I would, from time to time, do a dramatic monologue. And one time I dressed up a dramatic monologue, and I played Jesus. And I sat down at the Lord's Supper table, and I had a children's sermon ahead of time. And I brought a bunch of children up. They were to the right and left of me. As I was doing the children's sermon, there was a little boy, about four years old. He sat there looking up at me the whole time. He never moved. He just looked like this. And after I finished, he goes down. He says something to his mama. And she started laughing. Afterwards, she came up to me and told me what he said. He said, Mama, you know... Jesus looks a lot like our pastor. <laughs> and I thought, what a joyful time that was. Those little children. And we're all to be like little children. There's another question. What kind of people will be there? What kind of people? This fellowship, the purpose of fellowship in the church. Uh, it, 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 Jesus tells us, says, bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind. Go out into the highways and hedges. Compel them to come in that my house may be filled. You see here, there was a new guest list. Not just the ones that thought they were worthy could come to this dinner. Now, anybody was welcome. But the ones often that were not invited, he said, go out there. Because this was a, this was a beautiful palace. This was a, a, a really great food. But said, go out and, and find the bum on the street that is begging for food. Go out there and find the, the man that, that's homeless in his wheelchair going along. Bring him in here. Bring in whoever you can. Bring in the, the veteran who has been sort of cast out of society and, and no longer looked at, for him, even though he served the, the, the country for years. And on and on and on, he said, go bring these people in. There's a wideness here of God's grace, a wideness of the fellowship. He said, you know, just like Jesus, he went out and he, he invited people like uh, blind Bartimaeus. I'm wondering if, if some of those people that he, that he healed might have been there. Blind Bartimaeus, he gave him sight. Or the cripple in Mark chapter 5, whenever they lowered him through the roof and he said, take up your pallet and walk. I wonder if he was there. I wonder if there were people like the man at the pool. He said, do you really want to be healed? And he was there to heal him. And here this man came. I wonder if the woman with a flow of blood for 12 years, Jesus healed her. She may have been there. Or I wonder the... the the, the, the Samaritan lady at the well that came there every day and just felt like a nobody, but Jesus gave her new life and salvation. I wonder if the prodigal son, maybe that he talked about, really was, who really was real, came there that day. You know, there were so many people there, but yet there was still more room. I, re I remember Yogi Berra, one of my favorite theologians, one time, he, he, he always said stuff backwards. And one time it said he was driving around a restaurant and nobody, it said they could not find a parking place. And Yogi Berra said, nobody eats here anymore. You can't find a parking place. Wouldn't that be nice? God's kingdom will never be full, though. There's always room for more. That brings us to one more question. Would you go back there again? Would you go back there again? A sense of fulfillment. To be able to, to come to church, to be able to come into God's kingdom, to be able to come into God's presence, and to be comforted. Your burdens lightened. Your fears relieved. 
You come with fatigue, troubles, depression, but then you come and you take the Lord's Supper, you ask forgiveness of your sins, and you realize that the blood of Jesus has covered all your sins. And you come and you sing and you hear God's word and you give to, to support God's work and you pray. Like Dave McFarland, one of my associates one time, we would go to a local uh, steakhouse steak there and eat. And he, uh, he would always come out and he would, he, he, would, he would do this. He would say, I'm a full gospel preacher today. And wouldn't it be nice just to be full of God's spirit in our lives? Your, your soul is refreshed. I remember in seminary, we would go to Rocky's Pizza Place on Friday nights, several of us guys, and we would uh, then uh, we would just uh, sometimes just sit there and just talk and laugh. And they had, the, they had the biggest pizza. If you could, they had a pizza, the largest one like that, and literally that thick. If you could eat it all, uh, if two people could even eat it all, they got it free. I was never able to do that, but two guys did that one time. But I remember one night we were sitting there, we were laughing, we were telling good stories. And we just, one of those times we couldn't, we just kind of went overboard laughing and getting too, too loud perhaps. And there was a lady over in the corner, came over. She, it was kind of in the darkness. She came over and she looked down at us and I thought, oh, oh she's going to complain. She said, she started laughing. She said, I want to thank you. She said, I came in here. I was depressed. I felt down. I just didn't want to live. And I heard you guys telling all these funny stories and I started laughing. And I started laughing and then I started feeling better, and you started talking about Jesus and how Jesus could make life fun. And she said, I just want to thank you. Well, we were speechless, and that's a miracle for four preachers to be speechless. And we just, one of us looked up, one of my friends looked up and said, well, thank you for sharing. And I remember that. So I ask you, you know, as, as we approach the conclusion of this sermon, I think of Jesus as he was walking along on the seashore after the resurrection and he ate fish with the disciples and he was wanting to make sure that they understood that they had a mission even though the crucifixion had happened the resurrection had happened and he would ascend soon and he was telling them to go into the fields of service and do what I've called you to do so I you know we look at this and we have to to ask some questions how would you describe your spiritual diet how would you? Is it uh, baby food? You've never gotten over the baby food of the gospel? Or is it meat and potatoes? Or is it dehydrated food? You feel like your spirit is just dried out. Or is, it, is your appetite, though, filled by the great banquet in the sky? Being in the presence of Jesus, fulfilling these purposes of the church, always seeking to serve God. What would it take for you to come and dine with Jesus? Would it take... An adjustment to your schedule? So often people say, I'm too busy for Jesus and the church. Or would it take an invitation directly from God? Well, every time you hear the gospel preached or someone inviting you to the kingdom, that's a direct invitation from God. Would it take, sometimes think, people think, well, if I'm entertained enough at church, then I'll accept the Lord. Well, it's, 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 it's good to, to be entertained, but it's got to go much deeper than that. To a spiritual experience with God? Would it take a little more spiritual hunger? The Bible says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, hunger makes us devour what we're hungry for, it drives us to fulfill the need that's in our lives. And I pray that the Word of God, the presence of Jesus, 
His mission for you, that you will hunger for it. Because blessed truly are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You will truly be filled. Oh Lord, I pray for each saint here today. I pray, God, that you would bless the pastor and staff. I pray you will bless their families. I pray you will bless every member here and their families. And most of all, that you would use this great church to continue fulfilling the great commission you've called them to do. As we taste of your banquet, may we realize that we are nourished and sustained so we can share that banquet with other people. May we share that blessing you've given us so that others will be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.